0: Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Reena,
1: what did you get obsessed with this week?
0: A couple weeks ago, French writer Pauline Hermange released a book called Moi, le homme, je le déteste, which translates to I Hate Men. The book has sold out, the first 450 copies were snatched up quickly, as were the following two reprints. And now the next 2,500 copies have already been sold. And Pauline Hamange says that she's completely blown away and completely shocked at how, you know, how well-received and how curious people are about this book. But what ended up happening was that an advisor to France's gender equality ministry, Ralph Zomelli, has threatened her with legal action. He says this book is obviously an ode to misandry, which is the hate of men, both in terms of summary on her website and in its title. He writes, I would like to remind you that incitement of hatred on the basis of sex is a criminal offense. Consequently, I ask you to immediately remove this book from your catalog under penalty of criminal prosecution. So this week, I've just sort of been thinking about misandry. Does it exist? What does it you know, mean within our culture? What it means to be a woman in this century? And low-key, do I
1: hate men? It's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because it's so understandable for all of us women. You know, when Me Too happened, every single person, every single woman that I knew was saying, you know, Me Too, I've been abused or mistreated by a man in their lives at some point. So it seems like a logical conclusion that, you know, men are the oppressors in our society and that we would all hate them. Why not? It's logical. It's like all black slaves in the US would hate all white people because they are upholding a system. And it's the same with women in society in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, the patriarchy is nothing if not a letter of hate towards women. Everything about the society we live in indicates that men hate us and want to oppress us. Men don't ever say it, but they show it in their actions.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you think of France in particular, they have this organization, this official organization that looks after the language of the French. And for years and years and years, women have been protesting or trying to like, change the language so that they are not left out of language or treated as lesser beings in the language. For example, when there's a whole room of women teachers in French and there's only one male in there, everyone gets masculinized so they all get treated as men because it's god forbid that that man is feminized because of the numbers and stuff whereas obviously the same thing doesn't happen the other way around so all of these things in the language weights against women in general just shows what the position of men is and what the position of female is and in the french language the position of the male is elevated and they refused and this council by the way is fully dominated by men refuse to change the language because they say, well, it's our culture. And so your culture is basically telling women constantly that they're not as important as men. Now, one woman just writes something like, oh, I, I hate men. There's a big uproar in France. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, so the CDC reports that one in four women are victims of intimate partner violence, whereas only one in nine men are. In terms of sexual violence, about one in three women are victims of sexual violence and men it's one in 6 nearly 23 million women and 1.7 million men have been the victims of rape or attempted rape at some point in their lives and before the age of 18 8.5 million women first experience rape and only 1.5 million men and they have a really interesting statistic here which is one that I think that maybe we potentially don't talk about that much is that 3.5 million women have their first experience of being stalked before the age of 18 of women will feel fear, will be fearful of their partner in a relationship, as opposed to 18% of men. And I guess what all of these statistics just show is that women have a really good reason for hating men.
1: Yeah, I was recently watching Catherine Ryan has a stand-up comedy show on Netflix at the moment. And she starts off saying, well, I've been going around Britain and I'm annoying a bunch of people because... I'm not interested in having a man in my life and I won't let a man come into my home. And then she says, well, you know, most women who are murdered, the probability is that they're going to be murdered by the man in their home. And then she's like, oh, well, people are saying, Catherine, you have to make your show a safe space for men. And she points out that, well, comedy in general is a safe space for men. And the amount of times that she's had to Indoor comedy shows where the man is talking about a prostitute he's just fucked, or like just talking about women in really derogatory ways, and everyone's laughing at it. And yet, when she does the same, it's a bit like this book. Or when she just presents things from her point of view, or is a little bit. This book is so mild. It's a title of a book. Like this woman is not setting up a whole man hating group, or I don't know, doing all the things that men have been doing to women for ages. That would be an outrage, as Catherine Ryan says. Basically. The whole world is a safe space for men and they just cannot handle it when they are attacked in any way at all. Such an example of male fragility. And obviously men are must be fucking fragile because they've just invented an entire culture to basically big themselves up and make women inferior. They've built an entire culture on this basic insecurity. So I think it's time that we just stopped playing to that. And the question about whether you low-key hate men that's a really interesting one i think i low-key or high-key probably don't respect them as much as i respect women or don't because i find them lacking as a group in general they can be very nice on the individual level you can work with them but they cannot be talked to in a straight way a lot of times if you criticize a man or if you tell a man something straight they just cannot handle it they cannot handle being proved wrong they cannot handle other points of view they have a serious lack of empathy emotional intelligence intelligence in general all intelligence i was talking to somebody the other day who's a producer and moderator on a big show and like her boss is the executive producer and she's like I could do his job, and I'm so logical when I come in with all my arguments, and he's just like ranting and raving. So, all these women have to prove themselves and be way more on it, way more considered, and everything than men. Otherwise, we're just going to be criticized for everything.
0: In the lead up to recording this, I was watching Natalie Wynn's video on men. Um, I think I've talked about Natalie Wynn before. She has a YouTube channel called ContraPoints. And Natalie Wynn is a trans woman. And one of the interesting observations that she makes in this video is she talks about when she was younger and she was presenting as male or perceived by the world as male versus how she's perceived and like what life like is now that she's transitioned. She mentions that in the female friendships she's developed since transitioning or since, you know, living her life as a woman, they're much more nurturing and women are much more loving and supportive towards one another. Whereas when she was younger and she had mainly male friendships, she was like, oh, it's, it's always so stale and everyone, you know, no one can express any emotions and they're all just, it, it just, it felt like a competition. I, she says that everything felt like a competition. And when I was listening to her video, I sort of, I started thinking about, I don't know if you've heard of men's rights activists. They're a group of people who basically think that feminism is ruining the world And I did a little research into them because I was just so absolutely fascinated by them. And the main book that they use as like the basis of their philosophy is this book called The Myth of Male Power, Why Men Are the Disposable Sex by a man called Warren Farrell. He wrote this in 1993. And in this book, he argues that the oppressive structures that have kept women in the home have been eradicated and that in the present day, or in 1993, you know, when it was written, that oppressive gender roles are solely pushed onto men. So these harmful gender roles, and that this idea that men have any power in society is an illusion. And so he sort of presents this idea of of male disposability, meaning that in our society, we value women's lives more than men's lives, and that men are sort of viewed as expendable the service of like protecting or serving women and he points out that men make the majority of military casualties, suicides and, and are murder victims as we discussed in our episode on suicide women attempt suicide more men just succeed more so statistically this is technically true but it's not the full story and also that like until recently like women couldn't join the military so how does that
1: even make sense can I just say, this is utterly, utterly ridiculous. Since when have women's lives been valued higher than men's lives? Like, fucking never. If we take the Ford and the Kavanaugh case, Brett Kavanaugh, who raped her and then was elected to be a Supreme Court judge, for example. Everyone was talking about, oh, all these women, you know, who get raped, they just, you, you're you going to ruin a a man's life. Her life has been ruined. Nobody gives a shit about that in all abuse cases. These women have to live forever and ever with the trauma that's been inflicted on them. Nobody cares. I mean, what?
0: Well, it's, it's sort of the same thing when it comes to the abortion debate, isn't it? Because people always say, oh, but what about the child? What about the child? They're like, well, what about the mother? You know, people have that stupid art, you know, you see it on social media all the time where people are like, well, what if, you know, the kid you abort cures cancer? And you're like, well, what if the mother whose life you're about to ruin, what if she cures cancer?
1: Yeah, because a woman's role in society is just to serve everyone else, isn't it? I mean, how can that person be treated as a fully agent, proper being in themselves when they're just expected to fulfill the roles of wives and mothers, which has been all this, you know, done all this time? They weren't allowed to be educated. They weren't at nothing. I mean, since when have women's lives counted as more than men's lives? If that were true, then they would be in charge of everything and in positions of power in our society or even paid more like so many things why are women not paid as much for the same jobs as men because society doesn't think that our lives are worth as much
0: yeah so that's exactly the point that natalie win in her video on men gets to well she makes this point she says that men are like so close to getting the point of feminism And then they, like, miss it completely. Because, basically, this idea that feminism is fighting to have women oppress men in the way that the patriarchy currently does is the basis of the fear of the men's rights activist. And that just tells you a lot about how men view women, right? Because they're scared we're going to treat them the way that they treat us, thus they are in some way acknowledging that they treat us terribly. But, like, they're missing... The whole point of feminism is to eradicate oppressive structures and gender roles for both men and women. So men's rights activists don't actually care about oppression, they care about power.
1: Exactly. And every time a woman expresses herself and takes up space and expresses her rage, she is fighting for equality. And one of the main tools of the patriarchy has been to suppress women's rage, to suppress their anger at men to strangle their voices because women saying their opinions and how they feel and expressing themselves in this way is just threatening to men and men are just trying to grip onto their power and they're not going to give it away on the man-hating thing there was a wave of feminists early on and i think andrea dawking was very very famous for this she was termed as kind of man hating and she's very interesting because she was totally out of fashion for a while She's kind of considered before her time because now, yeah, since Donald Trump and Me Too with women expressing their disappointment and skepticism and hatred of men, she's kind of come back into fashion because she's always said, like a lot of people interpreted her as being very anti-male and anti-sex and everything because she had these lines about how the sexual act in itself was an act of rape. What she was saying was not that sort of nobody could have sex she was saying that the general whole cultural idea of sex like this idea of virginity the passive woman like a man doing something being active doing something to the passive female all of these stories about that our culture has created around sex is basically rape culturey, which is sort of true so, what she was saying was that every single aspect of our lives, like how we relate to men, how we talk to them, how we use language, how we have sex in the bedroom, is an act of warfare. So, what she was saying is that, you know, the patriarchy and the entire culture is sort of our enemy. And we should always be thinking about that in all of our interactions, everything we do. It's a form of activism to try and challenge that in every way in our lives you know what's really interesting about saying things like i
0: hate men almost all of my best friends are men and i was thinking about this this week because i was like oh man like not all of them but you know how when we did our episode of loneliness we talk about those like five closest people to you in terms of friends three of those five closest people to me are men And I've had some super interesting conversations with them. I remember two years ago, I went on a date with a guy and I told my friend that I was going and I was like, I've let my roommate know where I'm going to be, when and where. And he was like, why are you doing that? And I was like, (laughs) that is such male privilege to not have to worry about shit like this. So I feel kind of, well, no, I don't feel bad. I was going to be like, I feel bad about saying I hate men, but I don't think I hate individual men. I just think I hate them as a concept. I was talking to my mom about this in the car and she was saying, yeah, I can understand why you would say I hate men, but if we work off the basis of, oh, I hate men and I don't want anything to do with them, the world's never going to get better because... Let me think of how to say this in English. She said, we, men we have to take the men along with us. If we're going to fight for equality, we need the men to understand why what they're doing is wrong. And I know what she's saying. At the same time, I have no interest in doing any sort of labor, emotional or otherwise, to educate men about why what they're doing sucks. Because it's 2020. There's the internet. We were talking in our episode about racism. Just Google it.
1: I kind of oscillate between what your mom says, which is, we have to work with men and deal with them. But do we really? I think we could also live perfectly brilliant lives just surrounded by women, working with women, being activists without wasting our energy on them or trying to please them in marriages and relationships and have children with them and do all that labor. It's a distraction. I don't know whose best interest we're working for. Like I kind of oscillate between those two things, just not being bothered and being like, okay, I would rather spend my energy and my life elsewhere and on myself without bothering to try to... Because then, in the same time, if we're always trying to bring them along, we're still making our lives revolve around men. So, what to do?
0: I have no idea how to solve that. That is the question that I've been thinking about. Because I honestly have no interest in spending any more time and energy having conversations with different men around the patriarchy or misogyny but yet how like i don't want to be like how else are they going to learn that's not what i mean but how do you educate them
1: i mean i don't think it's bad to have those conversations and work with men like as friends or whatever but do we really want to live our lives based on the fact that we have to bring men with us or have to involve them in some way like if they're there if we're friends with them like you're friends i'm friends with a lot of men they're cool If there's some sort of equality in the relationship, we can exchange ideas and perspectives, and that's really cool. But do we want to participate in really living within this system and trying to be nice to them? I mean, just men who can't take criticism, who can't take the fact that there's a book that's got a title like I Hate Men. What about every single porno mag in the world? What about that? That might not have the title, but the content is very strongly the same message. So if men can't understand this basic stuff, they just need to go die.
0: But in particular around misandry, I was just thinking, all isms function on power structures, don't they? And I just feel like as long as women are the oppressed group, or not the, but like one of the oppressed groups in terms when it comes to like gender, there is a power imbalance. And so I don't really know if with that power dynamic, if Us hating them can ever truly be hate in the way they claim it is.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Politics is about power and who has it. And at the moment, men have it. And we are the oppressed gender here. And if a woman wants to express herself, it's an act of misogyny from the people in power to start crying about, oh, now they're being attacked. No, we're being killed. So fuck you.
0: Here are are three things that you can do this week to be a better person. Ladies, if you're angry, please feel free to express your anger. Do not hold back, obviously only if the situation is safe, and never ever put a man's feelings above your own.
1: Be direct, be honest, it's okay to be angry. And in the spirit of Andrea Dworkin, who has come back into fashion in the Ariel Levy's introduction to the 20th anniversary edition of Intercourse, she says that if you accept what she is saying, suddenly you have to question everything. The way you dress, the way you write, your favorite movies, your sense of humor, and yes, the way you fuck. And what she's saying is that everything you do as a woman affects power relations in society and so if you consciously think about that every action you take and obviously it's hard and not everyone can do everything you know we're all kind of stuck in a system but in that way you can make everything in your life activist and I think that's a really interesting concept and a very deliberate way to be in the world as a woman
0: and thing three men If a woman expresses her anger, her rage, or her emotions, don't try to deny it and don't try to convince her she's wrong and you're right, Accept the fact that sometimes you are wrong, especially when it comes to a woman's emotions.
1: She knows best about how she feels. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsession with us tweet
0: us i am at Rina underscore grobe underscore and madvi is at madvi romani follow us on instagram at the underscore ms underscore informed or shoot us an email
1: misinformed.podcast
0: at gmail.com
1: you will find links to our twitter and instagrams in our show notes as well as links to all the content we have discussed this week until next time thank you for listening